Hello, and welcome to the Spectrum of Health podcast. Yep, you are listening to the right show today, and no, I'm not Dr. Christine. My name is Tammy Munson, and I am the producer for the Spectrum of Health podcast. Now, Dr. Christine is taking a brief break this week, but we wanted to share one of her favorites from the Beyond Biologic Medicine Speaker Series. Now, in this episode, Dr. Christine is talking with Ari Witten, who is an energy and fatigue specialist who focuses on taking an evidence-based approach to energy enhancement. So they are taking a deep dive into the power of red light therapy, brain health, hormonal health, and much more. So without further ado, here is Dr. Christine's conversation with Ari Witten. Ari Witten is a best-selling author and the creator of the Energy Blueprint System. He is an energy and fatigue specialist who focuses on taking an evidence-based approach to energy enhancement. And today, Ari and I are going to talk about the power of red light therapy for anti-aging, fat loss, brain health, hormonal health, and more. So welcome, Ari. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Christine. It's It's an honor. Thank you. Well, let's just dive in. There's a lot of buzz nowadays on all these different tools and modalities involving red light therapy, infrared light therapy, near infrared light. And can you just really tell people, you know, why do we even care about red and near infrared light therapy and what can these um, modalities do for us? Yeah, good question. So there are now over 5,000 studies on the topic of red and near infrared light therapy also called by a few other names, low-level laser therapy or low-level light therapy, and also more broadly, photobiomodulation, which is the modulation of biology by light photons. Uh, And so there's specifically on red and near-infrared light, there's over 5,000 studies now that have been accumulated over the last few decades showing profound benefits for a huge array of things. And, uh, you know, whenever I list these things off, I always feel like I'm a, a snake oil salesman, you know, in the, in the past, who's, you know, saying, hey, this is good for curing everything, you know, but the, the research on red light therapy really is almost that. Now, it certainly is the case that it's, it's not curing everything necessarily, but it has the potential to benefit the health of dozens of different systems of the body. So just to name a few It's been proven to fight skin aging, uh, decrease wrinkles, increase collagen production, fight cellulite, uh, stimulate fat loss, help speed recovery from workouts and adaptations to exercise. So strength gain, endurance gain, um, muscle gain. Uh, It's been proven to decrease inflammation in the body to modulate the immune system, uh, especially in the context of, for example, autoimmune conditions. It can modulate immune function to be a less aggressive, less attacking sort of immune system that is less destructive to the tissue. So it decreases autoimmunity, decrease pain, combat hair loss, uh, speed up wound and injury healing. And, you know, whether it's skin tissues or muscle tissues or tendons or bone to optimize brain function, improve cognitive performance, fight depression, anxiety, fight neurological conditions like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, increase energy levels, you know, on and on and on. The, the list goes on. I mean, there's variety of different benefits and it can, it can be very obscure. You, you know, there's dozens of studies, for example, looking at oral mucositis and uh, in response to people on chemotherapy and how red light can be used to decrease pain and, and stimulate healing of those tissues in the mouth and combat this side effect of chemotherapy. So 
it's got a huge array of different benefits, but I would say the big ones are optimizing body composition. So fat loss and muscle gain, brain function, skin aging. Those are the things that almost everybody is interested in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a great overview. And again, so many practical applications. And for maybe the average listener who's thinking, you know, what is what does this really mean? What is what are we talking about essentially? So what is red light therapy? And when you say near infrared, what does that mean as well? So if anybody's in front of their computer or phone, anybody listening to this, I'd highly encourage you to do a Google image search for the electromagnetic spectrum. If you just type in in Google images, electromagnetic spectrum, it'll bring up this image. And it's useful to have this in front of you as I'm explaining this, uh, and you'll, you'll get it a lot better. So this spectrum of electro, uh, the electromagnetic spectrum is basically a, a sort of map of the different types of electromagnetic energy that exist. And it starts, you know, in the smallest wavelengths, it starts more in around gamma rays and x-rays. And, and these are, you know, x-rays like you would get in a doctor's office. You get an x-ray. That's a particular kind of electromagnetic energy. And then from there, it starts to get into the ultraviolet light. And then it starts to get into a really narrow band of this overall electromagnetic spectrum, which is the visible wavelengths of light for the human eye. So the part of that electromagnetic spectrum that our ocular system and our brain is actually designed to see. We can actually see part of the spectrum, and that is the visible light spectrum. So we all learn the colors of the rainbow as a, as a kid, Roy G. Biv, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. And it's actually from the direction I'm going on this spectrum from small wavelengths to big ones, it's actually flipped. So it starts in violet or ultraviolet, and then it goes into purple and blue, and green, yellow, orange, red. Now, just on the other side of red is near-infrared energy, which is invisible to the human eye. But if you were, for example, to take an infrared camera or night vision goggles, you could, you could see near-infrared energy. And then it gets into far-infrared, which is, uh, you know, people talk of infrared saunas. Those use far-infrared. Those are rays that also, we are emitted from the sun that tend to heat up our bodies. And, uh, and then we get into things like microwaves and radio waves and all these other parts of the electromagnetic spectrum. Now, within this big spectrum that I just explained, it's specifically the red and near-infrared part of that spectrum that we are concerned with as far as all these effects that I just listed off, fat loss, muscle gain, skin anti-aging, wound healing, brain health, and all that sort of stuff. So those red and near-infrared wavelengths have a unique ability to penetrate in beneath our skin, penetrate inches into our body, where they interact directly with our cells in ways that drive these benefits. And, and we can certainly talk about the mechanisms of how this happens. But uh, that's that's basically the, the gist of what it is. So it's literally, you know, the, if you see red light, for example, if there's a some kind of lamp that is emitting red light, it is, you know, that is red light, right? So that type of light, those wavelengths, that color of, of light has profound effects on us. And also near infrared, which we can't see, has basically the same effects. There's a couple small differences between them. But that chunk of the spectrum is really what we're concerned with here. Now, I will say not any sort of lamp emitting red colored light will provide these benefits. It needs to be of the right power output. 
to provide these benefits, but that's basically the gist of what it is. It, it needs to have the adequate, the right wavelengths and the right power output. And then if you have th those combinations of factors, you use the right dose and you can generate a lot of powerful health benefits. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was an excellent explanation of, you know, when people think about physics and electromagnetic frequencies, sometimes people, you know, break down from, you know, high school, you know, classes and things, but that was a really great um, visual explanation. And, um, you know, what Ari's really, what, why we wanted Ari to speak to us is really have these other tools that are beyond supplements and beyond tools that work on a biochemical level that can have a healing impact in the, in the, on the body. And this is, you know, these tools are really under the umbrella of biophysics, we call them. So we're using physics, applied physics to get a healing effect in the body. And so um, we would love to hear a little bit more about how do um, how does red light actually work in our body and create a healing effect. And so maybe differentiating, differentiating between red and the near infrared. And yeah, if you want to dive into that. So there's a number of mechanisms. Some are well accepted and proven and others are more sort of on the, 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 they're in the infancy of our understanding. There's some early research testing them that's positive, but they're not scientific consensus understandings of the mechanism. So we'll, we'll talk and, and I'll explain which are which. So we'll, we'll talk about some of the consensus mechanisms and the, the more speculative stuff. Um, as far as the difference between red and near infrared light, just real quick, the main difference is not really the mechanism of action. They both act through the same mechanisms of action. The only key difference is one is a trivial difference, which is just, again, the, that our ocular system is brain and brain can see red light, but we can't see near infrared light. And the other key difference is that near infrared light penetrates deeper into our body than does red light uh, by roughly maybe 25 to to 50% deeper in the body. But other than that, basically the same mechanisms. So what, what are those mechanisms? Well, the first one is, I would say, falls very squarely within the realm of biophysics. And that is that the photons of light actually penetrate into our cells and they penetrate into the through the cellular membrane of the cells into the mitochondria, where they interact with a photoreceptor, which is uh, basically like the same type of thing that you know people are used to thinking of chemical receptors. So, like a serotonin receptor, for example, like antidepressants act on you know serotonin receptors, for example. So, this is the same basic idea, but with with photons of light. So, we have receptors on our mitochondria that are acceptors of photons and that create a chemical reaction with the photons of light that drives the mitochondria, which are our cellular energy generators, it drives them to produce more energy. So this photoacceptor called cytochrome C oxidase basically takes in a photon of light and this helps donate electrons to drive electron flow down the electron transport chain of mitochondria to help generate energy more efficiently. Now, mitochondria are basically the energy source for all of our cells. So for, for almost all of our cells, there are a couple exceptions, but I would say 99% of the cells in your body, mitochondria are responsible for generating the majority of the energy. The, the gist of it is that if you make those mitochondria produce more energy, those cells work better. So whether we're talking about your brain cells, whether we're talking about your heart or your muscle cells or, or any different glands and organ systems of the body, they tend to work better if the mitochondria are producing energy more efficiently. So that's one of the, the key mechanisms. 
Uh, and by the way, there's research very clearly showing that if you expose cells to red and near infrared light, there is a detectable increase in ATP production, cellular energy production by the mitochondria. So that's one of the mechanisms at play. Uh, well, actually, one more layer that I'll mention here is part of what goes on at the mitochondrial level is oxygen is needed for this process. Now, if the cell accumulates too much ni uh, nitric oxide, which sometimes happens under stressful conditions, or if you're exposed to toxins, or if you're sleep deprived, or various kinds of stressors can cause too much accumulation of nitric oxide. Nitric oxide basically plugs up the same spot in the mit mitochondria that oxygen needs to get into. So one of the things that these photons of light seems, seem to do is they basically kick out the nitric oxide and allow oxygen to get in. So the mitochondria, again, produces more energy more efficiently. So that's one mechanism. Uh, another layer of mechanisms is something called hormetic stress or hormesis. And basically, we know that red and near-infrared light create a transient burst of free radicals or reactive oxygen species at the cellular level. Now, um, we're, we're often taught to think of these things as bad. We want to avoid free radicals. We want to avoid reactive oxygen species or oxidants. Uh, however, in the context of transient increases in these reactive oxygen species, uh, they can be associated with profound benefits. So as one example of this, exercise also uh, increases reactive oxygen species transiently. And we know that exercise is associated with a mountain of health benefits. Part of the actual mechanism of the benefits is by creating an increase in reactive oxygen species. And it, it used to be thought, for example, that you know, for a long time, it, it used to be thought re free radicals, reactive oxygen species are bad. And we knew that exercise was helpful, but we, you know, for a long time, scientists basically said, well, exercise is good for us. We know that. But the problem with it is that it creates this burst of free radicals. And uh, what we want to do is take antioxidants, antioxidant supplements before and after exercise to neutralize the free radicals. And get the benefits of the exercise while avoiding the harms of these free radicals. Well, unfortunately, it's turned out, as it's been tested more and more, that if you neutralize the free radicals, you actually neutralize a lot of the benefits of the exercise itself. So in other words, part of the mechanism of the benefits is the free radicals, is, is, it, it, it is the reactive oxygen species. And the way that works is that this burst of reactive oxygen species in this, at the cellular level uh, stimulates the cell and the mitochondria to make certain adaptations that ultimately confer health benefits and resistance to a broader range of stressors. So specifically, there is a mechanism inside of our cells and our mitochondria called the ARE, the antioxidant response element. And when you create when you do something like exercise, like sauna exposure, like red and near infrared light, um, like a number of other uh, types of hormetic stress, you create this burst of free radicals, and then the cell responds by upregulating the internal antioxidant defense system. So that internal antioxidant defense system increases the production of internal antioxidants like 
uh, superoxide dismutase, catalase, and glutathione. Uh, it's also a sort of internal detoxification system. So at the same time as boosting the antioxidant defense systems, you're also boosting the, the cell's capacity to detoxify and neutralize toxic compounds. And at the same time, you're also stimulating the cells to grow bigger, stronger mitochondria and to actually grow new mitochondria from scratch, something called mitochondrial biogenesis, which ultimately makes the whole cell function more efficiently as you have bigger, stronger mitochondria and more of them pumping out more energy. So that layer of hormetic stress is very, very important as well. So those, those are two of the more well-established mechanisms, lots of research, no, nothing's controversial there. One other layer of mechanisms that is very well known is something called retrograde signaling. And basically, it used to be thought for a long time that the nucleus and the DNA was sort of the big boss and everything else in the body takes orders from the DNA and our genes. And we now know that that, that is not the case at all and that our environment, the environmental signals are relayed to the nucleus where they, those environmental signals are hugely impacting which genes get expressed and which genes do not get expressed. And we know that in response to red and near-infrared light therapy specifically, the mitochondria are sensing those signals and then relaying that information back to the nucleus and, and affecting the expression of several genes. So upregulating, for example, genes that are involved in mitochondrial biogenesis, upregulating genes that are involved in cellular defense and antioxidant defense and detoxification, up downregulating genes that are involved in uh, inflammation. So for example, like genes associated with NF-kappa B. So there's, there's a variety of pathways there, but the most important aspect of this retrograde signaling is it, it tends to upregulate tissue-specific cellular regeneration compounds. So uh, there are a variety of different compounds. I mean, does, at least dozens, if not more like hundreds, maybe thousands uh, of specific compounds in different tissues that are involved with healing and regeneration of those tissues. So for example, in skin cells, it boosts uh, the, the production of collagen. And it does that by upregulating the genes that, that basically tell the skin cells, hey, produce more collagen. We need more collagen tissue. That's what the skin does to repair itself. Now, the same thing happens at the muscle level. We know that uh, red and near-infrared light therapy can increase genes associated with protein synthesis and cellular repair, uh, can also increase, for example, IGF-1, insulin-like growth factor 1, locally in the muscle tissue that are the tissues that are being exposed to the light therapy. We know that in the brain, it increases brain-derived neurotrophic factor and nerve growth factor. So we have, we have all these sort of tissue-specific effects where whatever that tissue is, whatever the sort of the main signal in that tissue or the main compound that's involved in cellular regeneration, red and near-infrared light tends to stimulate more of that substance. So, uh, you know, so there's a variety of those effects. So those are probably the three really well-established consensus mechanisms. There's a couple other more speculative ones. One is uh, the way that the light impacts the viscosity of water inside of the cell. Mm -hmm. And there's some some research, and this, this lines up with Gerald Pollack's research on the fourth phase of water, but there's also some work by other researchers where they've specifically looked at how this type of light affects the water viscosity 
And that's basically like how thick uh, the water is. So imagine like swimming through a pool of water as a normal pool versus swimming through a pool of, let's say, jello. The, the viscosity of it and the, how thick that substance is, is makes a big difference in how easily you can move through it. Well, there's some research suggesting that by altering the viscosity of water inside of the cells, it actually affects the way the mechanical pump on the mitochondria is able to turn. So physically, it's moving with less resistance. And it's like a little motor on your mitochondria, something called the ATP, ATP synthase pump. And if the water viscosity is lower, then that pump turns easier and theoretically pumps out energy more efficiently as a result of that. Uh, and, and then one other mechanism that I'll mention here is that there's some research indicating that there are certain metabolites of dietary chlorophyll. So when we eat substances, plants, that contain chlorophyll, uh, that chlorophyll gets metabolized by our body and then there are metabolites of it. So other compounds that are produced as our body breaks down chlorophyll. And some of these compounds appear to accumulate in our cells and interact with light photons. So this light can then interact with these chlorophyll metabolites in a way that helps the cell produce more energy. Uh, in particular, there, there's some research suggesting that chlorophyll metabolites interact with uh, ubiquinol and ubiquinone, which is CoQ10. And basically that, that CoQ10 gets cycled and recycled uh, in the process of helping mitochondria produce energy. And in order to recycle it back into ubiquinol from ubiquinone, sort of the used up version of CoQ10 back into the, the type that we can use again, this these dietary chlorophyll metabolites and red and urine for red light appear to be interacting in a way that basically regenerates cellular CoQ10. And by virtue of that is potentially another mechanism by which red and urine for red light stimulate greater energy production at the cellular level. So those are that's kind of the, the breakdown of the consensus mechanisms and a couple of the more speculative ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was really thorough. And uh, Dr. Pollock is on the summit as well. So if you want to dive deeper in learning about infrared and exclusion zone water and all of that, he's going through that. But, you know, of course, you know, when I hear you speak of this, um, and I'm probably a lot of our audience as well as, you know, our bodies are made to accept light. You know, we have photoreceptors. We have an intelligent mechanism that actually utilizes red light and near infrared red light. And again, it's, you know, better than taking an um, antioxidant pill or even doing oxidative therapies. It's a, it's more intelligent. And then with the chlorophyll, I'm just thinking about the whole idea of there are these natural substances um, that are photosensitizers that allow us to utilize light better for a healing effect. We're going to have Dr. Anderson talk about photodynamic therapy. We're doing a lot more of that at the clinic. And it's so exciting and fascinating when I hear you speak about this. But the the what what I really want people to understand is that, you know, again, this is not just um, a trend, but this is our, our bodies have evolved to receive, accept, and utilize uh, these, these light therapies um, to heal, which is fascinating. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you a, quick, a very quick, funny story. But when I was in, uh, when I was in high school, I had a biology teacher who was, um, she used to love vegetable juices. So she would drink green juices every day. This was long before green juices became popular. It was, it was at that time, it was very weird. This was in the nineties. Mm -hmm. And, 
And then, so she would drink green juices and then she'd go out into the sun and she'd lay in the sun. Mm-hmm. And uh, we all thought she was crazy. We, we made fun of her and said, oh, she, she th- our biology teacher thinks she's a plant and that she can photosynthesize. But it turns out, you know, based on some of the more speculative mechanisms that I, I just mentioned mm-hmm. about how chlorophyll metabolites can interact with light photons, there might have been something to it after all, meaning and she certainly mm-hmm. wasn't photosynthesizing, but mm-hmm. there is an, a non-photosynthetic mechanism of how light photons interact with human cells in a way that allows our cells to produce more energy. So this is kind of a mind-blowing thing for people to think about. Most people don't think about laying in the sun or in front of red and near infrared light therapy lamps as the light photons are energizing their bodies. You know, most people think of light as, you know, oh, it's light, I can see things. I turn on a light switch so it lights the room up and light is the opposite of darkness. But most people have no clue that light photons are profoundly uh, affecting the function of their cells. Uh, And also, people may know about vitamin D, that's sort of the one layer people are aware of, but people really do not understand all of the layers of this story. And there are many of how different wavelengths of light profoundly affect many, many different systems of our body from our inflammatory system, our immune system, and directly on the mitochondria in the different cells of our body, from our brain to our muscles to our fat cells, uh, to blue light entering our eyes and feeding back on our circadian rhythm and controlling all these different neurotransmitters and hormones. Light is as important as nutrition is. And these different types of light photons, these different wavelengths, should be thought of in the same way as we think of different nutrients in our diet. They are that vital and that important and that they have that powerful of an impact on our health. And we need to make sure that our light diet is as adequate as our, our, our food diet. I love that. And I think um, as we're seeing this rise in chronic illness and the rise in these, you know, neurological illnesses and cancers and, you know, everything we treat in the office, you know, we have to reflect, okay, what, what is happening? Of course, we can make a case for, you know, the toxic food, the environmental toxins, but how we've removed ourselves out of, you know, the natural light exposure that we all are supposed to get on a regular basis. And then we're all surrounded by LED lights and then the blue light and the screen and this inappropriate timing of light. And so we're really disconnected from the rhythm of light that we're supposed to be exposed to on a regular basis. So just another, you know, again, you know, I'm really happy that you're framing it in this way because it's not this side thought, this is a vital part of really, you know, how we're meant to function. And, you know, while I I think the red light and the near infrared light therapies are becoming more popular because we're needing to apply these tools in a more therapeutic way to rebalance the body. You know, you can't just go out in the sun to heal from Parkinson's, you know, we have to take it up a notch and, you know, these therapies are um, there to do that. Yeah. I I will say, if I can add one point to that, I, yeah, agree with you for the most part. I I think that actually, though, there are some cases where the red and near infrared light therapy devices will outperform sunlight. Mm -hmm. For example, specifically, you know, you mentioned Parkinson's specifically in that context, I would say is one of them. The way I like to think about this is these effects actually should all be present normally as part of our normal cell function. Uh, this is the way that our body is supposed to be operating all of the time if we had adequate sun exposure on a daily basis. And adequate sun exposure is way, way, way higher than most people think it is. And 
if we were getting that, then the truth is, you know, like, let's say we're talking about the context of hunter-gatherer tribes living in Africa. They have no need for red and near-infrared light devices. If they're spending hours a day in the sun, I would bet money that they would get almost no detectable benefit from red and near-infrared light therapy. But if you took another group of people, like average people living in the United States or living in Europe, and gave them the same dose of red and near-infrared light therapy, you'd probably see, or you would see profound benefits. So uh, I think to some extent, the, the right way to understand this is that this form of light is a nutrient that is required by our body to function normally. And the absence there, our disconnection from the sun and the outdoors that we used to all have and that our biology is wired for has necessitated a situation where we need to replace, we need to supplement with certain forms of light to replace the nutrients we're missing. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. And I I guess I don't want to sound jaded because I I see a lot of patients who, you know, I've seen 20 to 30 doctors have been struggling for a long time. But um, yes, please, if you're not there yet, this is absolutely a lifestyle strategy that, um, you know, we fear the sun now because of, you know, wherever you know, we are now with sunscreens and the misconceptions in vitamin D and skin cancers, you know, there's this, um, this fear-based um, thought around sun exposure. And, um, you know, I think it can be done in a safe, mindful way. And it, as you said, this is a nutrient for life. And um, no, I, I am glad you're, you know, bringing that, that point up. Absolutely. So you already talked about wavelength and then um, you talked about all these different mechanisms of why, red light therapy and near infrared light therapy work but there's there's an art of applying them right because there are there there are nuances with power per se and depth of penetration and you know uh, local application so can you just walk us through just some of the mechanisms of how to bring this um into you know a therapeutic setting and how we should think about it yeah so this is where it can get really complex or really simple i generally opt for the simple and uh, the, the, I'll briefly explain why it can be complex. So there are very there, there are dosing protocols that are all over the place. In, in the actual scientific studies, they there are studies using all kinds of wildly different doses that are orders of magnitude different. And part of it is just like there isn't necessarily a well-defined consensus of here is the precise proper dose. Some of it is still being experimented with. And there's also so many different devices on the market from laser devices that are applying, you know, one little point of light right in that one spot to whole body devices that irradiate your entire body back and front from head to toe all at once. So the difference between applying one square centimeter of light versus however many thousands of square centimeters that is to cover an entire body. So there are vastly different dosing sort of protocols out there or or ways to do this and so many different devices that apply it that it's that those challenges make it quite tough. And then you can talk about all these figures of what is the power density of the device in, in, uh, in milliwatts per square centimeter and what is the total irradiance of the device and um, the total joules delivered or the joules per square centimeter. And, you know, there's lots of different ways of sort of getting mathematically into calculating the proper dose. But here's a a good set of principles that how it breaks down 
in a much less complex way. So if you get a solid LED panel device, so let's just start there. So there are laser devices on the market. They're generally thousands of thousands of dollars. And there are LED panels, which are generally a few hundred dollars up to the, the most giant ones that you can get are you know, around three or $5,000. Most people don't do lasers anymore, except in a clinical setting. Sometimes people in a clinical setting will do it. Some people uh, in who have been using lasers for a long time swear that they believe lasers have, are more effective. The actual research that's compared them at similar dosing parameters has found that they have equal effects, lasers versus LEDs. So that's why most people go LEDs. They're way cheaper. And instead of sort of irradiating very small area of your body at one time, they can cover a huge area of your body. Uh, in some cases, basically your full body. So most people are going to get an LED device. If you get one of the more powerful LED devices, like one of the ones I recommend. So the companies that I generally recommend and talk about the most are Red Therapy Co., Juve, and Platinum Therapy Lights, though there are a couple other ones. There's Red Light Rising in the UK, and there's a couple other ones on the market that I haven't seen third-party testing for their data, so I don't know the actual dosing numbers and total light emitted. But for those companies I mentioned just now, I do know, and I have seen actual third-party data validating how much light they have. So if you get one of those devices, basically it breaks down like this. If you want to treat deep tissue, so let's say you're treating muscle tissue or you want to treat organs or fat tissue or bone or tendons and things like that, um, or your thyroid gland or your brain, those are all deeper tissues. And in order to treat those, you generally want the light about six to 12 inches away from your body. And you're going to do somewhere in the neighborhood of five minutes to 20 minutes per area that you're treating. Okay. Now, if you're doing it for skin anti-aging or you're treating very superficial close to the surface uh, tissues, like let's say you have a skin wound or let's say you want to just combat wrinkles and cellulite and things like that, uh, that would be applying it from like 12 to 24 inches. Uh, you could potentially go with some of the more powerful lights a little further away. And uh, you do a dose somewhere in the neighborhood of a few minutes, maybe to 10 minutes. Okay. So you need a much lower dose for the superficial tissues and a much higher dose for treating much deeper tissues. So that's the general principle of how it breaks down. And so without getting into all the mathematical complexities of dosing, basically just get one of these devices, sit in front of it for a few minutes with your body positioned in a way where that light is hitting the tissues you want it to hit. Mm -hmm. Do you see any um, side effects with um, light therapy? Have you seen as you're getting this um, mitochondrial um, energy, you know, increase in this tissue metabolism, you know, increase? Do you see any side effects that we should be watching out for? So let's put this in context because there are there are side effects of everything, right? Mm -hmm. Of course. If you, <laughs> if you drink three gallons of water in the next 10 minutes, you can cause yourself mm -hmm. permanent brain damage put yourself in a coma and maybe die. So water can become toxic if you mm -hmm. do too much of it. Exercise, one of the most potent medicines in the world, absolutely toxic if you do too much of it. You, you can cause yourself a heart attack or a heart failure. You know, there, there's lots of ways which every beneficial thing can become toxic. Uh, red light is no different. Uh, if, if anything, I would say it has a way, way better safety profile than even something like exercise. So in other words, 
the consequences of massively overdoing it are way less than they are with exercise. And what you, what you typically experience when somebody overdoes it is they'll just feel a little fatigued afterwards and maybe fatigued for, in the most severe cases, the most hypersensitive, most ill people, unhealthy people I've seen, uh, they can have a reaction where that, that's similar to how they would react to exercise. If they did a few minutes of intense exercise, they might be laid out in bed for two days, three days afterwards. They can have a reaction just like that with red and urine for red light therapy. So in the vast majority of cases outside of this segment of the population that is extremely ill with some kind of disease, for example, they've got severe chronic fatigue syndrome outside of that scenario, it's honestly hard for most people to overdo it. And even if somebody overdid it, they probably wouldn't even notice anything particularly profound. But I still recommend staying within those general dosing guidelines that I outlined a minute ago, because like everything, you know, you do too much of it and you start to lose the benefits. There is something called a biphasic dose response, which applies to red and near-infrared light therapy and basically everything, every, you know, and basically what it means is you do a very little of it, you get a little benefit, you do a moderate amount of it, you get a strong benefit. And then if you do way too much of it, you start to get less and less benefits to the point where if you do so, so much of it, just a huge amount overdose, that you've eliminated the benefits. And you're basically back at baseline where you didn't do any at all. And then worst case scenario, then if you really massively overdo it, then you start to get harm, right? So that profile, that same sort of biphasic dose response exists for exercise, it exists for sauna exposure, and it also it exists for sunlight exposure, it exists for uh, red and near-infrared light exposure as well. So it is important to get the dosing guidelines right. However, most people don't have a whole lot to worry about as far as mm-hmm. risking, risking some severe reaction if they overdo it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's a safe tool. And, um, you know, if you're out there and you're sensitive or curious or cautious, just starting slow, of course, and just seeing how your body, you know, does, and you can work your way up to, you know, the um, recommended treatment time. Mm-hmm. So are you already recommended a few trusted companies, it sounds like that you have experience with. Um, can you educate our audience a little bit of any caveats to look for or really you know, what they should be looking for in a red light therapy or near infrared light uh, device so they they know what to look for? Yeah. So honestly, there's so many different companies on the market now uh, that, I mean, so many have just popped up in the last couple of years that since this whole area started to become more well-known. And a lot of them are actually pretty similar as far as like what they're actually doing and the amount of light delivered. Uh, There are definitely some companies out there, quite a few actually, that are offering really underpowered devices uh, that are oftentimes just as expensive as the other ones, but have half or a quarter of the amount of power output. So that definitely does matter. You do want to be careful about the light you choose. uh, And ideally, you want to get one that's been third-party tested and you, you can see what the actual light output or irradiance is relative to some of the other competitor devices is. So if you see that, then, you know, you you know, you're getting a powerful device, you're getting something good for your money. So that's important. But within a lot of these different companies that are manufacturing, basically just LED panels, they often have the same wavelength, 660 nanometers red light and 850 nanometers near infrared light. Uh, There's sometimes there's little variation on that, but 
Generally, that's what most companies offer. And they have fairly similar light output in the, in the cases of the companies that I just mentioned. The main differences are honestly, how much money do you want to spend and what size light do you want? So do you want to spend you know, $200 for a little light this big, that's maybe something that you can do spot treatments on for a certain area? Or do you want to spend $450 for a light that's, you know, this big? And I'll, I'll show you an example here real quick. So like this big, mm-hmm. one example, and this is about $450. Or you can get for about $800, you can get basically two of these, you know, as one unit, you can get like two, two of these size panels. Uh, and that will cover pretty much, you know, if you see this relative to my body, if you have two of these, it'll cover, this is powerful enough to basically cover the, the whole front or back of your body from head to toe. And then there are options of even bigger, more expensive lights where you can get a six foot tall light that's this wide and, you know, basically is big enough for like two people to stand next to each other and do it at the same time. And you can spend three or five grand or something like that getting a device like that. To be honest, I think that $800 devices that are about two of those ones that I just said, and I have some down there that I could pick up and show you, but it, take my word for it. It's about, it's about that big and it looks just like what I just showed you, uh, except two of them. Uh, those are honestly powerful enough to pretty much do the entire front and entire back of your body. Uh, if you wanted to go all out, I would say get two of those big devices and that way you can do the front and back of your body at the same time. And that's pretty much like the ultimate light setup. If you've got that, I don't really see a need to go and buy the $5,000 devices. I don't think you're really getting that much better of a benefit than, you know, the ones I just showed you. Um, but if you do want like a really impressive setup, then uh, Juve and Platinum both make these kind of like full wall setups. I personally don't have one just because this is plenty good enough for me. But yeah, that's a setup. There's also, just to give people some context, there's a device from another company called Thor Laser. They make a device called the Novo Thor that is basically like a tanning bed style device, but with red and urine thread light LEDs built into it. Super cool, futuristic looking device. You know, if you if you have a clinic or you have a home where you want to have like the coolest red light device in the world, this is probably the one to get, but it's, uh, it's over $100,000. So um, from my perspective, knowing that the wavelengths of light in it, I don't even, I don't think it's really necessary. Like you can, you can get pretty much the same benefit from using a couple of these larger LED panels from the companies I just mentioned and pretty much the same thing as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. Thank you, you know, for going through that explanation. And I'm sure, you know, many people are wondering how do you incorporate, you know, light therapy in your life and what does your routine look like, Ari? Yeah, so I would say the two, the two times I personally use it, I use it usually once in the morning for like a general skin anti-aging effect. As you can see, I'm, I'm actually 176 years old. <laughs> Couldn't tell. <laughs> I, I do use it like a sort of skin anti-aging. Uh, I usually set it up so that I have it shining on me as I do my morning yoga practice or morning meditation practice. And then the other time I like to use it is right after the gym, right after doing exercise, because it synergizes with exercise. So there's research, for example, showing that uh, it can 
almost double the amount of fat loss, almost double the amount of, or actually double the amount of uh, gain in insulin sensitivity that you would get from exercise compared to exercise alone versus exercise combined with red light, uh, increase the amount of muscle mass gain. So, you know, it's basically amplifying all the benefits that you get from exercise. So I really love to use it right after my workouts and find that it pairs really well with exercise. So those are probably the, the two ways that I use it, but you know, other people like to use it for brain optimization. Other people who have, let's say, Hashimoto's hypothyroidism would want to do daily treatments on their thyroid gland. Some amazing research there showing that people are able to wean off thyroid medications and dramatically decrease thyroid antibodies and things like that. So all kinds of potential benefits. It's, it's a question of what specific goals do you want to achieve with it? Mm-hmm. Well, no, thank you, Ari. I mean, this was a fabulous presentation and I'm so happy that you really took this topic on because you've done an excellent job at educating the public about it. And and then Ari, how can people find out more about you and your work? And I know you have an excellent book out there, but please share you know, all the great ways people can get in touch with you. Yeah. So I have a website. My main website is theenergyblueprint.com. Uh, there's also a comprehensive guide to red and urine for red light therapy on there with my my recommendations for specific devices and you know whether it's a brain specific device or general purpose LED panels I kind of lay it all out there step by step. There's also a free masterclass that I offer for people looking to increase their energy levels and you can get that at theenergyblueprint.com forward slash masterclass. Great. Well, we'll have all of that information, you know, available for everyone. And I want to just thank you so much for your time, Ari. It's been really fun learning from you today and getting to know you. And I'm going to look into what kind of light device I'm going to get for my home. We have some at the clinic, but I I think, again, like anything, the more you do it, the, um, you know, the more that you have these tools accessible in your home environment, the more you see the benefits. So thank you. 100%. Thanks so much for having me, Christine. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Spectrum of Health podcast. We hope that you have enjoyed today's episode with Ari Witten and Dr. Christine. And we are so glad that you are a part of Dr. Christine's community. We hope that you have a beautiful day.